Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Grace This Weekend. Hey, I just want to take this opportunity of having trouble finding seats and parking spots to remind you about the extension. And so if you've never uh, been to the extension before, I encourage you to check it out. Uh, it's just three miles down the road. It's the exact same service. So you'll have the, the same experience. Um, there's a live band there. Our worship uh, leaders rotate through. Uh, the only difference is, is that I am nine feet tall and in high definition, and you are welcome for that. So I uh, encourage you to do that. If you never tried it, tried it, and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see pretty quick that you like it, and it's very engaging. And it also, here's a, way, a little rule of thumb to always remember, every extension service starts a half hour after the Gent Road building services start. So if you're running late and you feel the Legos piling up in your Honda Odyssey minivan on your way to church and you want to fight, think, oh, Lord, what could we do to let go of this moment? We could go three miles down the road and see Jeff in high definition. And again, you're welcome. All right? So uh, check that out. We're in the middle of a series right now called How to Live with Other Humans Without Losing Your Mind. And uh, we've been digging at that. And we said uh, that one of the big keys of this is forgiveness that we need to accept forgiveness and extend forgiveness. And it's a huge element in Scripture. Uh, it's kind of right there on top. It's pretty, like, you can read the Scripture, like, through a little bit and, and see it's right there. God says we should forgive as we've been forgiven. We should forgive each other. God, Christ forgives us. It's all right there. And so we said that finding it's not the hard thing. Doing it's the hard thing, like, like extending it for each other. But when we look at our relationships, if we don't have forgiveness, then we're, we're never going to make it. So we've been exploring that, and we've been pushing the conversation through three different grids. We said we kind of have to lock a few things in place before we get into it. And so let me just remind you of those real quick. We said that forgiveness is not as much of an act as it is a habit. It's not an act as much as it is a habit. I'm never going to forgive you once for something. I'm going to forgive you a ton of times. So we don't forgive and forget because we don't forget. That's never going to happen. But we can forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive, right? So it's not as much of an act. It's a habit. Second thing we said is that Forgiveness at its core has very little to do with our relationship with each other and everything to do with our relationship with God. So I'm really not at, at the core of forgiveness. I'm really not responding to you or what you did or didn't do for me. I'm really responding to Christ and what he did for me and how I interact with him. So it, it, it's locking that truth in. And the last thing we said is that forgiveness <clears throat> is an act of the will. It's not an impulse of emotion. So I actually can choose to forgive, right? I don't have to feel good about it all the time. In fact, you won't, obviously. You know, you're not always going to feel great about it. But I can choose to forgive, and I can engage it, and I can decide to send my life in that direction. So we took kind of those three grids, and then we just started peeling back the layers of forgiveness. So the first week we talked about how kind of the outside layer, it's all the little stuff. So we got to let go of our Lego. We, we don't let things pile up, Right. And we said that the, the bad news is that this is the layer of forgiveness that we interact with the most. We're going to forgive that like a thousand times a day. The good news is it's the one that we have the most control over. So it's the easiest thing to forgive. And then last weekend, <clears throat> Pastor Ryan was with you. And he said, uh, he taught you about Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus just like lays out this path when I'm legitimately offended by someone, when you actually really did hurt me. Now, what am I supposed to do about it? And Jesus maps out relationally how we go to each other. 
And the goal of that is to restore relationships, to connect each other back to um, one another's hearts. And so he walked that through. So I encourage you guys, if you miss those, uh, grab the app. You can stream it there. Uh, you can get a podcast for, three through, uh, for free through iTunes if you want, or just go onto our website, graceoha.org, and you can watch all that or listen to it and kind of catch up. Those are very helpful conversations because, like I said, it, it's, not, it's not hard to like, challenge you from the Bible and say, God says to forgive. It's really easy to see. It's the doing it, and that's what we've been talking about through this whole series. So if you've struggled with that, or that's just where you're at in life right now, you're going to find those very helpful conversations as you keep doing that, right? So first layer is kind of the easy peasy stuff. Second layer is the legit stuff. I want to take you to the third layer of forgiveness, and then there's another layer of forgiveness. It's like Inception, the movie. You guys see it, but it's, so we're going to go all the way down to the fourth layer uh, next weekend, but the third layer this is, this is what we want to talk about this weekend. And this later is what um, Bill Hybels, I was reading an article he wrote, he called it life-altering injustice. I like that term. It's when a life-altering injustice happens to us. So this is a layer of forgiveness where it's life events like uh, abandonment, affairs, a murder, a, a theft, uh, th- those kind of things. It's the deep, deep, big, big deal stuff. And when they happen to us, it alters the course of our life, right? And it's not just to get together and work it out kind of a thing. In fact, a lot of times when this happens, the person who committed the offense isn't even interested in interacting with you about it. But what do you do is now you bear this wound, okay? So here's the the realities of a life-altering injustice. The reality is that when a life-altering injustice occurs to you, it's going to alter your life. So there is no such thing as get back to normal, right? There's a new normal now. There's a new thing that's happening in my life, and my life is not going to be the same. Uh, This is the kind of event that happens that that I have to work through. There's no, you should never blow this off, right? You know, we'll just get back to normal and pretend it didn't happen. It's never going to happen because it's going to show up in your life. So it's, your, your life is going to alter. It's not going to go back to normal. You can adjust to it. We're going to talk about that this weekend. Um, but it has to be dealt with. And it's going to be a major thread in your life for the rest of your life. So this is something you're going to live with. And it's going to affect you. And it's going to change you. It's a life-altering injustice. Now that's part of the reality. Here's the rest of the reality, kind of the good news side of it. The good news side of it is that when a life-altering injustice happens to us, if, if we embrace Christ, that injustice can be redeemed. If we embrace Christ, that injustice can be redeemed. In fact, it may wind up being something that God allows you to use to amplify the hope and the love and the power of Jesus. So it's going to happen. When it happens, it's going to change your life. There is no back to normal. There's now a new normal. You're going to live with it. I mean, it's it's the reality of it. It's going to affect you the rest of your life. If you give yourself to Christ, if you embrace Christ, it can be redeemed and it can become a symbol of hope and power in your life. Now, let me give you an example of this. An example of this happening that we, we all would know about and relate to, uh, I, I probably, is the cross of Jesus, right? So Jesus suffered a life-altering injustice. 
He was falsely accused. He was falsely tried. He was falsely beaten. And then he was murdered, right? It's a life-altering injustice. And that all happened on the cross. God took that injustice and redeemed it. So that event, that set of events, is something that we would look to for hope and strength and even joy. We would sing about the cross. We would talk about the cross. Uh, You may have a cross in your home. We would look to the cross if we were worshiping. You may wear a cross, right? The the cross is a life-altering injustice. Even the symbol of the cross in the ancient world, it'd be like you or I walking around with an electric chair around our neck, or a, you know, a, a firing squad in our house, or somebody being beheaded. It, it was a life-altering injustice, but because God took it and redeemed it, what was meant for evil was used for good, and it becomes a beacon of hope. It becomes a place that we would look to for strength, and it would become an illustration of the power of God, okay? Now, that can happen in our lives, and when we embrace Christ, he can do something that dramatic in our life and redeem that life-altering injustice. So how? That's the question we've been wrestling with. Not if. We would look and say, yep, we need to forgive. That's like the pathway, but it, it's how. How in the world do I get from this injustice to, to that how do I walk that path? And that's what I want to show you a little bit this weekend, okay? So let's look at this. How do I forgive a life-altering injustice and allow it to become a life-changing opportunity? Grab your Bibles, and let's open up to Romans chapter 12. And if you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs. It's page 790. By the way, if you don't own a new a Bible or a new one, just take one of those with you. That's what they're there for. So we would uh, seriously love for you just to have it. If you want to use your phone, the best way to, to uh, do that is through the Grace Church app. So um, if you're a Christian, go to the iStore. If you're not, there's always all the Android stuff. Um, <laughs> and you can download the app and uh, hit live, and the verses and the notes and everything will be there. Verse 9, chapter 12, Romans. Let me read it, and then we'll pick it apart, okay? Love must be sincere Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Serve with the Lord's, uh, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for the Lord's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord." On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap coals burning, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And in those few verses are some steps that we can take to position ourselves to forgive. And then we're we're going to look at those. And then before you take off, I'm going to walk you through how do you kind of come up with your individual pathway to walk through forgiving and moving past a life-changing injustice, okay? So the first thing the Bible would say 
is this, that when I'm dealing with a life-changing injustice and I want to forgive it, I want to I move past it, the first thing I have to do is recognize the injustice and assign responsibility. I got to recognize the injustice and assign responsibility. Let me show you this because it's really, really important. Verse 9, <clears throat> love must be sincere, <coughs> hate what is evil, cling to what is good. I want you to look at that verse carefully. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. I circled the words what in my Bible. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. I want you to, to notice what the Bible is not saying. The Bible does not say hate who is evil, cling to who is good. It says what. The Bible is specifically identifying an action, hate an evil action. And the Bible calls the action what it is. It is evil, right? It's an evil action, and I am to hate it, right? It's appropriate for me to hate that action. It really is true that you can hate the sin and love the sinner. And I find that this is confusing when we're dealing with life-altering injustice, especially for people who are spiritually minded, because we'll read the Bible and we'll read things in the Bible like love, love your neighbor as yourself, love your enemy. First uh, John, if we say we hate our brother, we say we love God, but we hate our brother, the love of God is not in us. And so the Bible is like super duper clear that as a follower of Christ, I can't hate somebody and love Jesus. And that if somebody hates me, I'm supposed to love them. But this life-altering injustice has happened to me. And that has been perpetrated by a person. So oftentimes what happens, we get confused with it. Oftentimes what happened, in my desire not to hate a person, I minimize the action. Did you catch that? In my desire not to hate the person, because I'm supposed to love everybody, I minimize the action. And minimizing the evil act is one of the most destructive things that happens as we're, as we're dealing with a life-altering injustice. So we, we, this is how we'll say it. We'll say things like this. We'll say things like, I know this happened, but it takes two to tango. Well, that really depends on what we're talking about. I, I, know, I know this happened, but you have to understand. He was drinking, I was drinking, and he just lost control. I know, this ha- I know it happened, but, you know, my dad was young, and he, w- he needed to go find himself. I know this happened, but my mom, you know, she, she was struggling with this or that, and so that's what, I know that this happened, but, you know, hurting people hurt people, and th- he just lost his temper, and, and we'll minimize it. Now, remember, we're not talking about being sparky. We're not talking about layer one, and we're not talking about layer two. We're talking about layer three. And in layer three, we're talking in a context in which someone has done something unjust to you. And guys, listen, you have to be careful not to own a responsibility in that that's not yours. Because when you minimize that action, what happens is you wind up rejecting the healing and the comfort that needs to come to bear on that wound. Calling something evil and looking at someone and saying, you did it, 
is not being hateful to that person. You assaulted me. Dad didn't have to go find it. He abandoned our family. You did this. You blew up this marriage. I did not do it. You did it. Right? And, to, and recognizing that that action wounded you deeply. The reason that I have trouble in my marriage, in part, is because I don't trust men because my dad left me. The reason that our sex life is no good is because I was assaulted as a child, and the reason that I, don't, that I am so condescending to women is because my mom did that stuff that wounds show up in our lives. And very, the reason I don't have any good friendships is because I was hurt by this. They show up in our lives in a very, very deep way. And looking and saying, it happened, and this person did it to me is actually the first step. I'm hating what is even, I'm hating the person, I'm hating the action. Now this is huge. Because until I recognize how deeply that has hurt me, I can't receive the healing that I, that I need, right? If, if I go to the cancer, if I go to the, the, the emergency room because I broke my toe, but what I really have is cancer, I'm going to receive the wrong treatment. I have to deal with what's going on in me. And it allows the people of God to comfort me at the levels I need to comfort. It allows the people of God and the truth of God to heal me at the levels I need healed. Ready? Here it is. This is big. And it allows me to forgive you at the level I actually need to forgive you. I don't need to look at you and say, yes, it's no big deal. I just forget about it. That's what I need to do on level one. This is level three. I need to look and say, you know what? I deal with this every day. I have to forgive this every day. I am constantly having to be in the habit of forgiveness. And until I recognize it, until I assign it, I don't deal with it on the levels of depth that I need to. I don't let God into those nuances of my life, right? So it's a big, it's a big deal. It's big important. I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to assign responsibility. It is appropriate to hate what is evil, and a life-changing injustice is that, right? That's step one. Here's step two. Now, as I've done it, I've recognized it, and I've assigned responsibility. Then I start moving through breaking free of this idea. And so the second step that the Scripture lays out for us here is that I actually begin to release the injustice, right? I release the injustice. <clears throat> Look back in chapter 12. Look at these verses. It's fascinating what Paul says here. He says in verse 14, right? I'm to bless those, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Now, look what he says. Bless those who what? Persecute you. He doesn't say minimize the persecution. He said, release it. I'm going to bless. I'm not going to be defined by it. Bless those who persecute you, right? Now look at verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. He doesn't minimize the evil. He calls it for what it is. But he said, you actually don't have to play that game. The people of God, we don't repay evil for evil. We release the evil. Look at verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, I, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. 
In doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. Paul comes here and he says, listen, <clears throat> when you release, you are, you're breaking the bonds of control of the person who committed the unjust act with you. When I no longer allow you, you have wounded me. You did it. It's your responsibility. You have wounded me, but I'm not going to allow you to define me. I'm going to release it. You did this to me, but I'm not going to allow you, allow your evil action to cause me to be a resentful person for the rest of my life. I'm choosing something different. I have an option because forgiveness is an act of the will. I'm deciding that I'm going to bless you even though you persecute me. I'm deciding that I'm not going to repay evil for evil. I'm deciding to turn you over to God and he will avenge what has happened to me. You're not going to do that to me. Your action will not cause me to live in pessimism for the rest of my life. Your action will not cause me to miss out on the joys of loving other people in my life. You know what, mom? Just because we grew up in all kinds of crazy and you did X, Y, Z, I'm, going, I'm deciding to release you so that I can learn to trust and love my spouse. You know what, dad? Just because you walked, I'm, you're not gonna turn me into a man-hater. I, I am not going to play that game. I'm not going to spend my life talking about what a jerk my dad was. I am, I am releasing it. You know what, friend? I, I'm not going to be robbed of the joy of meaningful, powerful friendships because you betrayed me when we were 19, right? I'm going to release you of that and your wound is not going to perpetrate within me anger and bitterness rage, slander, malice, all kinds of brawling, I'm releasing it. And I'm deciding, I'm taking control, and I'm deciding to give a godly response. Now, it's fascinating what Paul says here in verse 20. He says, in doing this and making this decision, not going to waste my life trying to get even, right? It's, it's a waste. And by the way, you're never going to get even. It's just going to poison you anyways. So I'm not going to waste my life. I'm handing you over to God. And let me tell you something, the vengeance of God is a lot deeper than the vengeance of Jeff, right? I mean, I'm going to hand you over to the hands of God. I'm releasing you. I'm going to respond godly. Paul says in verse 20, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. He's actually quoting Proverbs chapter 25. <clears throat> and in Proverbs 25, uh, the writer says, heap burning coals of kindness on their head. And it's an ancient kind of euphemism. And, and what, it, what it would picture is this. When you act in evil toward me, I respond in love toward you or in kindness to you. And I heap burning coals of kindness. In other words, my kindness makes you miserable, right? I'm going to make you miserable by being kind to you because what you want me to do is engage in this game and I'm tapping out and I'm going to be kind instead. The rest of the picture that is drawn there in Proverbs is this. Not only does my kindness make you miserable, but it removes your ability to make an accusation against me, right? So it's not tit for tat. So we're in this nasty divorce because he ran off with his 25-year-old sweet thing and left me and the kids, and now we're fighting, right? 
I want even, I've been abandoned, I have a life-altering injustice that's happened to me, and I'm going to heap burning coals of kindness. I am not going to play the game. And when he tries to leverage the kids or she tries to manipulate our friends, the accusation doesn't stick because I'm not in a vengeful tit for tat. And you play that out in friendships and marriage, wherever you want. I am not going to do what you did. I'm releasing it and I'm turning you over. I'm making a decision to forgive. I'm turning you over to the hands of God. And what you're going to receive from me is you're going to receive godliness, kindness, see, from me. So I'm going to recognize it and I'm going to assign it. It's a big deal. It, it, it was not me, it was you, right? I'm going to release it. They probably are never even going to ask you to do that. They're never going to ask you to forgive them, but you're going to do it anyway. It's not their choice, it's your choice. I'm going to release you from that. And here's the third step. The third step is I'm going to replace injustice with my real identity. I'm going to replace the injustice with my real identity, right? Verse 21, I love it. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That verse <coughs> um, means something specific. It does not mean replace bad behavior with good behavior. That's not what that verse means. There's other verses in the Bible that mean that, but it's not that one. So it's not a, hey, you quit being nasty. You stop it, right? That's not what that verse means. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What we would say it this way in our vernacular, ready? Do not be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. Do not be defeated with evil, but defeat evil with good. The Bible gives us a prescription for defeating evil, and the key to defeating evil is to do good or to be transformed by Christ. Remember, we're talking about if I embrace Christ, he can redeem what's going on and turn what happened to me into a beacon of his hope and his love. And when I choose to forgive, I am releasing the control. You don't control me anymore. Christ controls me. And in my controlledness of Christ, I am allowing Christ to redefine me. And in Christ, I am a different person. I am not the victim that you see. I am the victor that Christ sees. I am not defeated. I'm more than a conqueror. That's right out of Romans chapter 8. I, I am not abandoned. I am with the heavenly Father who will never leave me, never forsake me. Those are Jesus' words. I, I am not defined by another person's sinful actions. I'm not dirty. I'm not damaged. I'm not that person. I am defined by Christ's transforming power. I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am a son of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and I am choosing to conduct myself in my identity, and in doing that, it defeats evil with the good that God brings out in me. The ultimate victory over a life-changing injustice is our willingness and through Christ our ability to love someone in the exact opposite way that they interacted with me. And what you did to me or what you didn't do for me is not who I am. It's not what defines me. It's what Christ did for me and is doing in me. And that's 
what you're going to receive from me. I, rel I relinquish this. You're not controlling me. You're my enemy. I'll, I'll give you food and water. You're going to get kindness from me. You, no, you know what? I, I was not part of the problem. I was not part of the problem. I was a little kid. You were the problem. You wounded me. I hate that action, but you're going to get love from me because I've been changed and redeemed. The old is gone, the new has come. I'm a different person in Christ Jesus. And it defeats evil, see? It, it causes you to be the victor. The fourth thing, the last thing I want you to see is this. We're gonna recognize it, we're gonna identify it, we're gonna release it, we're gonna replace it. And the last thing we're gonna do is we're gonna rally a team we're going to rally the team. I love verse 15 of chapter 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. What God is talking about in that passage is that we are created to follow Christ together, right? So it, following Jesus is not a solo sport. It's a team sport. And the Bible is saying there, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, that we run to each other. We run to each other in the happiest times. We're happy for each other. We celebrate. We're not envious of each other. We're the people of God. We celebrate for each other. But we also mourn with those who mourn. When you hurt, I hurt. We're the body of Christ. We're one thing spiritually. So this injustice that happened to you happened to me, which means I enter into that pain with you. And guys, listen, when you go through a life-altering injustice, there is never a greater argument for the body of Christ than when you go through a life-altering injustice. Because when you go to deal with that, this is the nature of it, because the wound is so deep and so painful that when I go to deal with it, the closer I get to kind of the core or the bottom of that wound, the more clouded my thinking in my heart becomes. It's the nature of pain, right? It's the nature of pain. That's why we call the ambulance when we break something because we can't think through what to do ourselves. It's the nature of pain. And you, when you bring the body of Christ around, when you mourn with those who mourn, all of a sudden you're welcoming in the comfort and the healing and the hope that you need. It is so critical in your life that you have Christ-centered friendships, Christ-centered relationships, when you have, not, not every relationship, just that you have these relationships, that you have people in your life that love Christ, that love the scriptures, that also live under them, and they can help you see how to take your individual path to healing, right? There is nothing I can say here on a weekend that is gonna be the silver bullet for you to be better. All I can show you is what the scripture says. But your pain is individualized. Your wound is individualized, which means your path to healing is individualized. There's all these new, should I let my dad back into my life or not? Am I, am I supposed to forgive my husband or should I divorce him? Should I let that, I mean, they call me, what are my bad, right? There's a bazillion things, right, that we could never talk about in a public forum. But when you have Christ-centered friendships, when you're talking to a friend, when you're talking to a life group leader, when you're talking to a pastor, if you have a healthy marriage when you're talking with your spouse, maybe you need to go talk with a counselor. I've done that. You need, you need other people looking in, and they love God's word, they love Christ, and they love you. 
and that team rallies together. We're rejoicing with those who rejoice. We're mourning with those who mourn, right? Because when you go through a life-changing injustice, sometimes you need to cry with somebody. Sometimes you need to scream at somebody. Sometimes you need to talk with somebody. Sometimes you just need somebody that you can say, hey, shut up. Let's just go get wings and watch football. I can't take it anymore, right? Those are the best friends you can have, by the way, right? But we need it. And this is a layer of forgiveness that, that is that deep that we need, to, we need to sort those things through, okay? Now, I want to show you something. I want to show you a modern-day example of this playing out, okay? And this is something that, <clears throat> that's been on the news and uh, you know about it. There were uh, shootings in Charleston a, a couple months ago. And a guy named Dylan Root walked into um, Emmanuel AME Church to a Bible study. The pastor and some of the parishioners, they're having a, a Bible study and a prayer time. This homicidal, racist maniac walked in, studied the Bible, prayed with them, talked with them for over an hour, and then he pulled out a gun and executed nine of them. It was unbelievable, right? And you saw all that on the news. I was, I've been watching this, you know, I care about it, I've been praying for these brothers and sisters in Christ, and these news accounts started coming up that were absolutely mind-boggling, the power and the godliness of these people. Now, I'm going to read this to you. This is just an article. This is a news article. Google it. It's all over the place, but this is a news article, okay? Um, so, Roof is charged with nine counts of murder, one counts of possession of weapon during the commission of violent crime for Wednesday's brutal slayings at the AME, uh, Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, where he fatally shot nine people. He's ordered held without bail. Here it is. In a, regular, in a highly irregular move, the chief justice called out the names of the victims one by one, asking family members to step forward if they wish to deliver a statement. So this is at his court arraignment, all right? The first to speak was the daughter of Ethel Lance, In a gracious statement, she told Ruth, who appeared uh, via video conference, that she forgave him. I will never talk to her again, she said. I'll never be able to hold her ever again, but I forgive you. She added, you hurt me, you hurt a lot of people. May God forgive you. Anthony Thompson, husband of slain Maria Thompson, echoed Lance's daughter's words. I forgive you. My family forgives you, he said. We would like you to take this opportunity to repent, repent and confess your sin to the one who matters the most so he can change it, change your ways no matter what happened to you. Felicia Sanders, the grandmother who shielded her five-year-old granddaughter from the gunfire but lost her son in the process, told Ruth that the parishioners welcomed you Wednesday night at our Bible study with open arms. She continued fighting tears. You have killed some of the most beautiful people that I know, and it will never be the same. But as we said in Bible study, we enjoyed you. May God have mercy on you. Uh, Alana uh, Simmons, granddaughter of the victim Daniel Simmons, said, although my grandfather and the other victims died at the hands of hate, everyone's plea for your soul is proof that they lived and loved and their legacies will live on. Hate won't win, she said firmly. It's incredible. Because what happened right here? When you read this article, is it undeniable that they suffered a life-altering injustice? Of course. 
Are the facts undeniable? Of course they're undeniable. But when you read the article, what jumps out? It's not the evil. It's the good that's defeating it. I read these articles, and there's a, Google, there's gazillions of them. I read these articles, and I thought, oh my goodness, I am, I am so proud to be spiritually related to this church. What an amazing church. What an incredible job this pastor who lost his life did. And you see the people of God making a different decision. They're not seeking vengeance. They're not just blasting the guy. They had their shot. And you see the transforming power of Jesus Christ. See, they called it, you are evil. What you did was, they called it. They identified it. He's the guy. They began releasing it. You are not going to taint the legacy of these people. And they landed in our identity. We, love will win. Hate will not. We are people of love. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. And what they did is they mirrored what Christ did on the cross. They took an injustice and they triumphed over it. And you look at the injustice and you see the hope. And what Christ did on the cross is what the AME Emmanuel Church did, and it's what God can do through you. You can forgive. You have an option. And God can take something, it is gonna hurt. Their lives are never gonna be the same. They're gonna have to forgive this guy a thousand times over because that pain, how do you forget that? It's not gonna be forgotten. They're gonna habitually forgive and God, because they have embraced Christ, God is redeeming, see? And he is the one who is amplified. Guys, listen, I've been, a, I've been a pastor a long time now, right? And I know I haven't held up well at all, right? I always joke, this, this dark circle is for the kids, this one is yours, right? So it's, I know, but this is what I know. This is what all these decades now have, have shown me. I have stood with people in every imaginable life-altering injustice you could think of. These are not news stories, right? We've had incidents like this in our own town. And this is what I've seen. The people of God in the most miserable, unexplainable situations, and this is what you have to catch, catch this, are left with a choice. They can choose. They're, they can choose to run to the questions or they can choose to run to the answers. And this is what I found. The people who run to the questions live in misery because you can't answer the questions. Why didn't God strike this guy down before he walked into that church? Why do good people have to suffer? Why, do, why does evil have... Why didn't God... And you, you'll never answer it. 
God doesn't answer it clearly. We'll know in heaven, we won't know on earth, and that's just the way it is. I, I would never, in fact, I encourage you to, don't ever insult someone with a cliche answer. Because if we don't know, we just don't know, right? And people who run to those questions live in misery and inevitably, bless their heart, they're, they're, they did not put themselves in this situation. We're talking about how they respond, not whether they were guilty or not, because they weren't, they're victims. But bless their hearts, they inevitably become bitter, anger, vengeful, broken relationships because they're living, the, the event is still controlling. But there's a choice. I've seen lots and lots of people do what these guys have done. They run to the answers because in the midst of questions there are also answers. There is a God who loves us. There is a God who doesn't leave over. There's a God who's more powerful. There's a God who can transform. There's a God who, there are the people of God that you, sometimes you don't ever understand the power of the church until you need the church. The church stays, the people of God. And people who go through a life-altering injustice who go to those answers, what they have is freedom. Now listen, they don't have the absence of pain. It's not what we're talking about. Any preacher tells you that's a liar. They have freedom. The chains are broken. God is amplified. When you read the story, you see Jesus, you don't see the evil because the evil is overcome with good. You know who these folks become? They become the people that other people run to when they go through a life-altering injustice because nobody understands it the way that these guys understand it. And the injustice is redeemed by Christ and becomes an amplification of his love and his hope and his power. And what I wanna tell you, your pain is not gonna go away. It's gonna be with you forever. It's the reality of it. Your life is not gonna go back to normal. There's, it has to be a new normal, right? But if you embrace Christ, If you embrace Christ, you can forgive. And when you forgive, you overcome. You defeat what happened with you. All right. Let me ask you some questions. They're the obvious ones. But let me ask you these questions. Have you recognized and assigned Step one, don't minimize what happened. You don't have to. It's very appropriate to hate what is evil. Have you recognized and assigned? Question two, have you released? Right? Have you released? Don't waste your life seeking vengeance. You're never going to get it anyways. Have you released? Turn them over to a... Have you read the Old Testament? God can handle vengeance. Turn them over to the, the power and the justice of God. Have you released? Third, have you replaced? You're not a victim, you're a victor. Something happened to you, it didn't make you. 
Christ is your identity. He transforms. He says who we are. Have you replaced? And four, do you have a team? Do you have Christ-centered friends who yield to God's word and love you? Right? If you don't, they're here. You're sitting with a bunch of them. Right? They're here. Do you have a team? All right, the band's gonna come and I'm gonna pray and I just want you to take the rest of our time here to think. Ask, if you're a follower of Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to give you clarity to your thoughts and your heart. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then step one is, is to yield to him, embrace Christ, all right, process it. Next weekend, we're gonna go a level deeper with this and next, it's, it will be life transforming as you get a hold of that truth, okay? All right, Jesus, we love you. So grateful, Lord, that you care about our earthly lives. It's not just whether we get to heaven or not. It's, it's the journey that we take, and the ultimate call is to bring glory and honor to you, and you empower us, you help us, you change us. And God, this is an area that we need help. Lord, this stuff hurts, and it cuts deeply, and it's, it's beyond words. I, I run out of words even to describe it. But we can trust you. You teach us, you show us. God, help us to follow the example that you set in Christ, the example our brothers and sisters set in South Carolina. God, give us that victory as well. We love you, Jesus. Guide our thoughts and our hearts even now as we focus on you and your name. Amen.